You know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery! Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. This year, love looks a little different. We're still gathering. We're just doing it virtually. And we're still connecting. We're just doing it safely. So whether it's lighting candles over FaceTime, family dinner through Zoom, or opening gifts virtually, traditions can keep us close, even when we can't be together. Stay safe. Stay connected. Think big and plan small this holiday season. Let's save lives, Columbus. This producer turned rapper turned entrepreneur recently placed fourth on the Forbes list of wealthiest hip hop artists uh, for his billion dollar sneaker empire. He also has a child whose name is a direction. Ew. Kanye West. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Cool. We talk about black excellence. That is not what I want to hear. Hi. Hey, y'all. Thanks for waiting for us and for listening to the first episode of the second season. Second season. We're back in here like we never <laughs> left. That's a nice song. Yeah. And this is Shayna, by the way, but y'all know that already. Hey, and I'm JJ. Um, So we took a little summer break. It's been a good summer. I mean, it's still happening, but um, I feel like it was nice to like turn my brain off from awareness for a month because <laughs> that that does get tiring mm-hmm. but uh you know the world's crumbling very quickly so we <laughs> had to come back and make sure that we keep y'all informed we stay informed because like knowledge really is power yes it is <laughs> yeah wake up <laughs> are you with us i think so i you know i have to get my brain back into like podcasting mode yeah. Um. Man, pre- uh, just preparing for the show. It's like, do I know how to create an outline? I know. Like, do I know how to like research still? <laughs> um. But I'm here. We're here, and we're excited to bring you another episode of Yo Business. Yes. All right. Let's dive in. Yo Business. Yep. So I think what's top of mind for a lot of people right now, um, is gun reform. Um, in light of the recent. Uh, back-to-back shootings that um, that have happened. Which is like almost 300 for this country. It's insane. And we're only in August. Only in August. And there's countries who haven't had shootings, mass shootings ever. Yeah, I think like the next the, the next country below us in, in terms of mass shootings only had like three this year. Mm-hmm. And it was probably like, <laughs> pay, like Europe or like, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So there were two back-to-back shootings in El Paso and Dayton, uh, one on the 3rd, and then uh, another less than 24 hours later on the 4th um, this week. Um, in El Paso, um, a lone gunman killed uh, 22 people. A injured, white supremacist. A white supremacist uh, killed 22 people and injured 24 others. And then in Dayton, um, 10 people were killed, um, including the shooter, and 
27 others were injured. Both of these people were um, young white men. Um, and I'm surprised. Why? What happened where the Dayton one was killed? Because I feel like they usually, like Dylan Roof is still alive. Yeah. I'm not sure how he, how that ended up happening. Um, but what's bizarre to me, not even bizarre because it's it's America, but you know, just this morning, there was another attempted shooting at an, another Walmart in Springfield, which I think is Illinois, um, where this guy approached the Walmart in body armor. <laughs> like, what is happening like with Walmart? But they, um, they, the police were able to apprehend him um, before he did anything. So, you know, this is obviously ignited like a conversation as it always does about gun reform and what we can do. And, you know, the Democrats have the majority in the House of Representatives right now, but the Senate um, is dominated by Republicans, as we know. And that is the main reason why we can't get moving on any gun reform. And so I just feel like if not government, then businesses that make guns, that sell guns, that fund guns. I.e. Walmart. <laughs> I.e. Walmart. And places where these shooters congregate um, need to um, take responsibility. You know, and you know, I think it a lot of this responsibility falls squarely on the business community to protect the public, to protect their patrons in light of... Senate Republicans not being able to um, uh, swallow uh, the idea of losing funding from the NRA <laughs> in order to support some kind of legislation. And then speaking of Walmart, you know, um, they still have not spoken a word about stopping sales of rifles and shotguns. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that the shooter, the El Paso shooter, purchased the gun at Walmart, but still, this happened in your store. Um, multiple times people have other people have been killed in walmart right um and um, i wonder what that is i don't know it's because like they're not even going to like i don't i don't know it just seems like if you wanted crowds is walmart it i mean i know you know the, the walmart that's near my house where i grew up is definitely like always a lot place. of people it's and always stuff always lit so um oh yeah and then walmart also told employees uh, <laughs> after the shooting to hide all the sign, all the signage and advertisements for a violent video. Yeah, because that's the problem. Because that's the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Good. Woo! <laughs> Glad we, we can, did that. We can, we can yeah. uh, breathe a, a we, sigh of we relief did, This is our gun control. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, I, I and when I think about, like, actions that businesses have taken after... Um, these types of shootings, I remember after the Parkland shooting, which, you know, where the victims were mostly these young white teens, um, a lot of companies and corporations, um, like, immediately came out in, you know, response and, you know, like, Bank of America and BlackRock stopped funding gun manufacturers, Dick Sporting Goods, like, ended sales of assault rifles, you know, a slew of other um, companies, like, made changes. Um, and so I'm just wondering, like, where all that is now. Like, where's the disgust and outrage from the business community today in response to this massacre of um, people in a Latino community? Um, and 
I don't know. I I just see like a I see a lot of responsibility and actions that could be taken and that are not being taken in this case. Yeah. It's it's hard for me because at this point I don't know what because I read that like both of these guns were obtained legally. Hmm. So it's not like my thought is like they went about it the right way, quote unquote. So of course that makes us want to look at gun reform and gun control. But then when I think about people who are going to massacre people aren't necessarily fully interested in following the law. Mm-hmm. So like even if we make the laws harder, it's not going to get rid of the guns and it's not going to get rid of the access. And so I am always like, not that we shouldn't be doing anything, but I just like don't know what the right answer is. Right. Because these are just hum- like these guns aren't shooting themselves off. These are humans. And so yeah. I feel like the issue is it's fully about the guns. But to take a step back, right. it's also about like specifically race tension in this country and like the privilege and the authority given to whiteness which is why we're having this and which is why guns are an issue right like if guns were for hunting and protecting you from intruders then we'd be in a different we'd be talking about a different scenario yeah i don't think um i don't think every like shooting like mass shooting is race Base what what we're seeing now, like recently, obviously right. is, but I think, I think it it doesn't have to be like a, it can be like a smattering of solutions that ultimately come together to like curb like the access the accessibility of guns, right? So it doesn't. So even if like there's even if laws are created to make it harder to get access to like a AK forty seven. Which, like, no one needs, by the way. Which no one needs. I don't think it will, like, automatically solve the problem, but it will make a dent, you know? And so then the next step, you know, could be, okay, well, then stricter background checks, you know? So there are some places where you can, like, you can go to some gun shows and, like, not even show ID, you know? Which is nuts, because when I tried to buy pepper spray, they wanted to know, like, my full address. Really? I'm like, I just, like, in case I get mugged, I want pepper spray. Did you buy it here in New York? Yeah. Interesting. Well, I did no because it was so much trouble. So I bought in Pittsburgh and brought it on the plane with me. But wow, TSA was too busy checking my hair to recognize that <laughs> I had pepper spray in my damn bag. Um, so yeah, I mean, what a heavy way to start. Sorry, <laughs> but I think it's. I mean, it's important. It's definitely not something that we can gloss over. And it's like the next thing I have isn't great either. Yeah. Um. So. Recently, there was a lot of there was a a big ice roundup in Mississippi. Um, it was all workers at a I don't know how you say it, Koch, uh, <laughs> K O C H. Well, you know, it, there's the Koch brothers, but then there's like Ed Koch. Oh, Koch, so, maybe I Koch. Foods? Uh, so I think they I think they pronounce it differently. Oh, the person um, which is like a chicken factory, uh-huh. and they supply chicken for Burger King and Kroger. And so they, it was the first day of school in that community. They went and rounded up all of the parents, so then none of the kids were able to be picked up. Mm. Thankfully, like strangers who had a heart brought them food and stuff at the school but and they like slept in the gym and had zero idea where their parents were and the craziest part to me is like 
the this company had already been sued for hiring undocumented workers. Mm. And so it's like so they didn't go after them. Never. Mm. And they probably never will. And that's the crazy part to me is like if if we're so strict on law, a big law was broken mm-hmm. when they hired all these undocumented workers mm-hmm. and oh and they were all they've also been like sued for sexual harassment and like workforce discrimination like they, it's just an awful company in general yeah. but they seem to be fine well i mean that's just like trump he's advocating for like you know a wall and all this bs but he also has had undocumented plenty of undocumented Tons. workers at mar-a-lago Tons. And Tower, so and i just like also feel like it's so funny for him to be so anti um mexican specifically because you know his housekeepers aren't white. Right. It's like, so who's going to clean your house then? Melania. Right. She's not <laughs> even there. We haven't even seen her for, I haven't seen her for a long time. She doesn't even live there I anymore. I think she went with him to um to the hospital in El Paso. Ugh. And, I You know, they, they specifically, like, there were people in the hospital who, who had been injured who didn't want to see him. Duh. And, of course, after he, you know, told the press how everybody loved him in the hospital. But with the ice roundups, I feel like whenever these things happen, I, you know, I always feel so powerless, like there's nothing I can do to help. But um, I did find an Instagram post that was giving a, like three or four organizations that are offering legal aid. Mm. So uh, we'll put those in the show notes because I do feel like it and it doesn't feel great to just like donate $30 and then go on with your life but I do think that it's a small way that we can help yeah. um, and then on the heels of the shooting and the roundup Amnesty International issued a travel advisory for the US which is like to me should be so eye opening right like you, we look mm. at when I go when I travel I look at Amnesty International to see is this safe for women to travel here mm. is it safe for people of color to travel here right, right. for like quote unquote developing countries so it's like people in other countries are looking up if it's safe to travel here and amnesty international is saying no wow they said i did not know that yes they said depending on the traveler's gender identity (gasps) race country of origin ethnic background or sexual orientation they may be at a higher risk of being targeted with gun violence and should plan accordingly oh my god we we're it (laughs) i feel like we're like i mean you know we, our policies have been a danger to the world for a long time. It's crazy. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's about time that it was. But in, to like see that, like I checked that. I like when I went to Morocco, I just like checked that to see like what it's like for women, what shots I needed, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's. And now they're like, look, if you go to the U.S. as anything other than a white man. I mean, I've thought about that recently, like especially after the shootings. What are other countries? thinking about us you know like is it just like well the u.s has just gone off the rails now mm-hmm. there's no going back you know i'm sure i mean i can't i i don't know um so yeah i just thought that was a that that felt very sobering to me yeah. as somebody that lives in this country well you know maybe soon it'll turn around we How? have the 2020 campaign coming yeah out. maybe joe will get in <laughs> tell tell talk to me before we hop into this next political part talk to me about what you sent me about what joe biden did <laughs> because that 
So Joe Biden was on the trail. He was speaking um, about education um, at uh, a town hall uh, hosted by the Asian and Latino Coalition in Des Moines. And he said... (laughs) Of course he was. He said, we should challenge students in these schools. We have this notion that somehow if you're poor, you cannot do it. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Yep. (laughs) Then he paused and added... Wealthy kids, black kids, kids. <laughs> You didn't mean black kids, you old fuck. I hate that so much. But it also is like, thank you for being old, too old. Right, to, to, to function. Fa- <laughs> what do you think his political strategist, specifically Simone Sanders, like, wh- what is happening? I feel like she's like, back. she must be backstage like, I... I just I, wrote it down for you. Joe! Read what's on the card, Joe! It's like, did you hire me for nothing? I wrote it down. Read what's on the card. It's like, I didn't hire you to write. I hired you to, to be, be a black. <laughs> I hired you to be black in the background. Yeah, so, you know, speaking of the, the rest of the Democratic field, um, your girl Liz. Not uh, my girl. <laughs> I never met her. She's actually like... You know, I said this last episode, I think, last season, um, but she is really um, putting out proposals that affect um, lower income communities and would do a lot to um, improve access uh, um, and, um, and their economic uh, situations. Um, and it, I'm, I'm really, like, feeling it. So- yeah, and I read an article this morning Uh, on CNN business or money or whatever it's called that even like some wealthy hedge white male wealthy hedge fund head people are leaning towards her even though she's like proposing tax cuts and they don't like that but she's very like plans to be very hard on China and like all of this tariff Hmm. foreign war and so they enjoy that part of her and so I, I do think she's like she's almost like casting out wide enough net that everyone can grab on to like mm-hmm. good ideas. But I also feel like that's dangerous because mm-hmm. I do I, I feel like I've heard a lot of people say that with Trump, right? Like they they really liked his tax thing or his finance thing or whatever and like ignoring all these other things. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of like worries me when it seems like you're like putting out just like enough handles that like everyone can hang on to one of them. Yeah. Um I don't know. I I see what you mean, but to me, like a lot of her proposals have been like straight up, like like left of the left. You know, like this. So this latest thing um, is that she wants to offer free broadband internet. Um, so uh, she would offer grants as president that would cover ninety percent of installing broadband and uh, um, and a hundred percent of the internet broadband on native lands. And they'd only be available to nonprofits, government agencies, and rural utility cooperatives. So, like, you know, your Verizon and AT and T would not qualify for like, you know, these uh, um, these grants to cover uh, installing internet. I do like like even reading about her tax proposals. She really typically, from what I've seen, ties it back to trying to close the gap of wealth inequality. Mm-hmm. So it's like she seems to at least recognize that like we need to not forget 
that that's that's why we need this because mm-hmm. rich people are like it's unfair this is not a socialist society and but so like you'll be fine but and you'll be fine <laughs> and this is why we need to do it because these things are a reality right. so i do enjoy that part about her she's not my girl yet but i do feel like she's yeah she seems to be a sharp one Kamala also said she uh, wants to help close the wealth gap among black Americans by proposing a $74 billion uh, fund or grant for black HBCUs and businesses. Hmm. I guess I guess black HBCUs. Um, a double. A, a double. <laughs> uh, redundant, a bit redundant. So, yeah, for HBCUs and for um, black-owned businesses. Hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, there's some good, you know... We'll see. Coming out um, uh, from the candidates. Did you know that August is National Black Business Month? I didn't know that. Yeah. I just like read that. That should have been the fact for today, actually. Um, Yeah. I was just thinking that when you said for black businesses. Mm. So, and apparently it's like been a thing since 2004. I wonder wonder if Kamala launched it in honor of the month. Oh, maybe. Because I feel like she did something about. Uh, maternal health during like Black Women's Health Month. Oh, oh, I forgot she was a Howard alum. So, this week we lost such an icon. I it's so Toni Morrison is my favorite author. I feel like you and I have talked about her a lot. Like a couple, maybe a month ago, I like played hooky from work to go see her documentary. Like I'm just like very. Um, and it's it's more recent than I feel like a lot of black people because I just didn't read a lot of black authors growing up. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as I get older, I'm just like, you know, choosing my reading very carefully. Um, and last year I started reading only black female authors. And so pretty much every other book was one from her. Um, so she she passed this week at 88. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was such a beautiful time on social media specifically of just everyone saying like how much their their lives have been changed by her and um you know seeing the documentary was so inspiring because she didn't publish her first book until she was 40 i still have to watch that like we all have time and she which is super inspiring for yes me. <laughs> and she also just like walked the path right Mm -hmm. like she she didn't like wake up one day and she was a nobel prize winning author she like was an editor and she just like had some kids and she got married and it didn't work and like a book editor mm -hmm, at random house um and but then in when she was doing that she like found other black voices who she could lift up until she had put her thing out Mm -hmm. right and so like she i feel like it's just a reminder that like uh, you know what Hav talked about in his episode last season about like micro progressions mm-hmm. and how like we don't feel like that's the big thing but like she just like hired a black copy editor and then she like found a black author and like she just kept like creating this uh, environment yeah. and then she came out with Bluest Eye and I feel like while obviously it's devastating that she's gone I'm just like so thankful that we have her language now and forever yeah And um, there's a clip that's been going around. They showed it in the documentary about a white journalist who asked her, like, when are you going to start putting white characters in your stories? And she's like, I've had I've had white characters in my stories. And she's like, no, as the focus. 
And she said to the journalist, she said, you don't understand how racist that question is. She said, I never asked Tolstoy to write for me. Wow. Tolstoy wrote about what he knew. I feel like it it was a reminder to like all of us, but specifically to those of us who are writers, mm-hmm. that like it is our responsibility to tell stories and we are doing ourselves and the world a great disservice if we don't. Um so yeah, it just was like, you know, Why sad you that she's like not that here. But looking at both of us, I haven't <laughs> written in a year. Yeah. So it's just like it it would be it's like waking up and like not doing human things, mm-hmm. right? Like we are this is like why we are here. Yeah. Um so but yeah. But we we're also telling stories, you know. We are, but we're writers. Yeah. And for me, I know that like I'm supposed to be writing. I think mm-hmm. this is like a great segue back into it, but like that is what I'm supposed to be doing. Speaking of writing, yeah, you had a big piece come out this week. I did on Monday. Um, I had a cover story go out for Fast Company, which was about um, tech entrepreneurship in Atlanta. And I guess you know. So in the in the piece, we highlight um, not just um, you know the people in Atlanta who have built it to to what it is now as far as like startup and tech culture um folks like jewel burke solomon um who um started a company called part pick and sold it to amazon who still works in who still lives in atlanta there's also paul judge um who uh you might have seen on real housewives of atlanta who's mm-hmm. also tanya's you know, husband tanya's fiance <laughs> So there's folks like that. A lot of folks. Like, I did like 50 or 60 interviews for this piece. Um, but then there's also, uh, because there are people leaving Silicon Valley on the West Coast to come to ATL, um, we highlighted Tristan Walker, who's been on the podcast. Um, and, you know, Tristan um, kind of came up in Silicon Valley, got a lot of funding from the, these um tech VCs to start uh Bevel, which is a health and beauty product. Um and I'll just say that the the story was like was over it received overwhelmingly like good feedback and like, you know, a lot of folks told me that represented their city well and that it was inspiring to them, like a, a lot of young people in Atlanta. But I also have to say that <laughs> there was some negative reaction too. Mm-hmm. Uh because Tristan was the cover. Mm. Um, Why? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. As things change, other things stay the same, like Ohio Lottery scratch-offs, from small tickets to big tickets, from bright colors to flashy themes. There's something for everyone. Big wins make big stories, but it's the millions of small wins every day that make life-changing memories. And your biggest win will come by following the state-recommended safety protocols during this special holiday season. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Why? (laughs) Um, Because Tristan is very good with media. Mm -hmm. I will say that. Um, And Tristan has been covered a lot by a lot of people, including me. Um, And a lot of people felt like if... If we were going to go to Atlanta and write about the Atlanta startup scene, then 
Tristan, a two-week transplant, you know, should not have been the cover. My response to a lot of people was that I don't make the cover decisions. Okay. <laughs> and I don't, you know, and, and so I understood their frustrations. Mm-hmm. But what was frustrating to me, and I guess it, I guess it helped me to see, like, the other side of, like, when people pile on on Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, um, because there were people who had not even read the story. Like, I, I put, like, a lot of work into this story, mm-hmm. and, like, I talked to a lot of people, and, like, Tristan really kind of bookends the piece, you know, so you kind of enter the piece with him, and then we drop him off, and then you go meet Paul and Jewel and, you know, the um, the... Uh, Ryan and TK, the founder of The Gathering Spot, and all these people. And then we're back in Tristan's backyard, and the story ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, the, but the story is about, like, you know, the por- the importance of, like, ownership and, like, how this ma- how all these, like, white-owned tech companies are moving into Atlanta and, you know, questioning whether or not they are or will invest in the city as well. Mm-hmm. So there was a young black CEO who um, who um, reached out to me and he actually called and we talked. We had a very long conversation, like a 45 minute long conversation about like community and like, you know, everybody in in the black tech ecosystem, like having a role, you mm-hmm. know, and having um, in a sense, having each other's back. Right. And and kind of how. Until we own more of the media platform, right. like we, you know, we can't get mad about you know a cover decision, you know. Um, so I don't know. It, it, well, I think we can get mad at it. We can but... get mad, but but not at the detriment of like the overall like prosperity of all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, like again, like I, th- there were people in that story who did deserve to get shouted out you know before what i said to this this ceo is that you know it would have been nice if people commented first on the content you know or or the content and the cover Mm -hmm. as opposed to the cover without even there were people who like very smart people who just didn't even read the story Mm. um but that being said, <laughs> it got a lot of res- a lot of good reception, and um, you know, I, one of the places I wrote about was the gathering spot, um, which we've talked about on here before mm-hmm. with um, with the 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 co-founders of um, homage, homage, not homage, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, the gathering spot is like this, you know, this private membership. Uh, in Atlanta, like a kind of a workspace. They got podcast studios and all that and an event space. And they had a panel there um, based on a lot of the, what we were saying in the story. I saw a lot, a lot of people who were featured in the store, like, like came together and like invited like black entrepreneurs and creators to the the event. And they were posting on, on social media. And that was really cool. And it was kind of a reminder, like, okay, okay this is like this is why i do this yeah you know like tristan was on stage with you know a lot of other people you know in the story and um don't know the content of the panels but i i hear that it was very good and um so yeah i guess this is like a part like shameless self-promotion for the story Mm -hmm. but also part like you know if you um i think 
you know, we did a good job talking about like community and the importance of ownership in the face of, you know, gentrification in the face of inequity. Um, you know, how can we go about owning more of um, the culture that we put out into the world, which is what this podcast is about? Well, congrats. I feel like with every, you know, nothing's going to be perfect and we're never going to please everyone. And like, that is the beauty, in my opinion, of like interpretation and intellectual conversation is that like, if we all had the same ideas, it would be boring. So, um, but you worked super hard and the story is out in the world. And I think that deserves a hand clap regardless of you know, what happened after. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So we decided (laughs) since it was our very first episode of season two that we wanted it to be just us. Mm -hmm. So we pushed our guests to next week. Mm -hmm. We have awesome guests coming up. But this week we wanted to take the L, the learned from LLC, and kind of just like make that its own part. So- Our next segment will be our learned, where I feel like we both just have like two very like logistical things that we learned over the summer that we want to pass along. Yep. Um. So mine is Easy Pay Metro Card. Have you heard of this? I haven't. <laughs> Girl, hold on to your panties. It's it's it is life changing after living in this city for six okay, years. Tell me about it. So, MTA, you go on Easy Pay. Metro card, or let me see the website because that's what the card is called. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll put the link so you go, yeah, it's like new.mta forward slash easy pay. So you get this card in the mail, you hook up your debit card to a metro card, mm-hmm. you get a card in the mail, it's gold number one, which is tray chic <laughs> and you can put whether you want it to like refill a like an amex like a gold metro card okay yeah <laughs> not like a debit so, it doesn't clang when you no. drop it on the table no when okay. you when you're a white woman and you throw it at yeah. um so you yeah and you decide whether you want it to renew monthly or you want it to renew once it hits below a certain amount okay but what it means is that you never have to stand in line to refill your card. Or try to make the train and then you swipe. And it says insufficient, it, insufficient funds. Fun. It will That will never happen. Oh. And the awesome part of it to me is that you also register it. So if you ever lose it, you have a card number. You go on there and like shut it down so no one else can use it and they'll send you a new okay. card. I'm signing up for that. Yes. Today. It has changed because every Monday I'm like... Oh, missing the train because the line is out the subway station or the machines aren't working and the people in those booths do not want to speak to you or help you. Mm-hmm. And so this just means that will never have to happen. I love it. So easy pay Metro card. <laughs> I am. So someone who has lived in New York for like 15 years told me about it like very nonchalantly. And I was just like, what? Like, why doesn't why isn't this everywhere? Why doesn't everybody know? I like it. Yeah. Thanks for that piece of advice. You're welcome. What'd you learn? So I learned about... So I guess I want to catch this all into like something called like work automate, work automation. So I am going to start like 
doing better about making technology work for me. Mm-hmm. So, G- and I heard about this a while ago, but I had yet to use it. So, Gmail has a new feature where you can send an email, but like schedule it. I do it all the time. I love it. How did, did how did you know about it? Uh, my friend Erica, who I really want on the show told me about it because she wow. is the most efficient uh-huh. she like is the person that has told me about every play i've gotten like she just knows everything uh-huh. um and she's the most efficient person ever that so i've ever I've, met i used it for the first time last night and i just, uh, there was still kind of some anxiety for me about like whether it would really send mm-hmm. or something but, but like, this does. morning the person like responded yeah like yeah got it you yep. know um, and so I it, like it for hard emails too. Like when I'm sending like an email mm, I don't necessarily want to send. Sometimes yeah. it's just nice to be like, send it at 9 a.m. I'm going to bed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that. Um, it was super helpful and it made me feel like, because there are times when not only just a hard email, but just stuff that you put off and like you, it might be, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm working super late and so I don't want to send an email. No, I need my sleep. <laughs> I sleep. Yeah, sometimes you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm like, when do you sleep? Um, so sometimes it's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, oh, I need to reach out to that person. But I don't want to send an email. At 3 one, o'clock. One, look at me like I'm crazy. Right. Or two, it's going to get lost. Especially yeah. if, like, if it's like a, a Sunday night or uh-huh. something. It's going to get lost in the deluge of like all the other stuff. And so I just you just put it off and then forget It'll send to send Monday. it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love that feature. But broadly it made me think about like all these other ways that we can like start automating a lot of our stuff um because i feel like work has gotten just more and more like noisy Mm -hmm. and all these digital signals and um and things you know for you to read and check and notifications and you know the slack and all this kind of stuff um so it made me want to look further into um, how I can start connecting more of my services and like, and just doing things in advance. So like things take less taps mm-hmm. or like less, you know, yeah. clicks. I mean, whatever. if the robots are going to take over, we might as well <laughs> use them while we can is my thing. Yeah. There's something called the launch center app, which you can like, you can create like a button on your, on your phone screen that will say like, instead of going to finding your contact and like going and saying send Shane a message and all mm-hmm. that. There's just a button I can press on my screen that's send Shane a message. It's like text Shana. Whoa. Yeah. Your brain. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like cutting out like all these steps. You know, like if you, like you and Philip and my mom, mm-hmm. I can create buttons, you know. I'm like, on that list. Of course. With your boyfriend <laughs> and your mom. I made it. You're so silly. Um, so yeah, like stuff like that. I just want to like start looking more into because efficiencies. Yes. Yeah. Cause we should like, I feel like the answer to like work changing is not that, okay, just we try work to keep harder. up. Yeah, it's no. that we should also like create things to work for us. As yeah. Well. And time's running out. It's the end of day. So <laughs> you like, <laughs> so you like don't have, literally don't have it to right. work. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All right, and then we'll finish up our LLCs because I, I, mine are short and because we've like gone long already, but I do have a loved and canceled from this week. So I'm going to do my canceled first because it's quick and I think you're going to disagree with me. So I just want to like get it out quickly and move on. So this week I'm canceling the term people of color or women, women of color or whatever we say. Like, and this is because, you know, I, I like to focus on language and how we 
how there is anti-blackness in language that we don't necessarily think is Mm anti-black. And my issue with people of color is that it makes whiteness the default still. Like, the only reason I have to say people of color is because they're not white, and white is the assumption, and so we have to give them a label to say that they're not white. Mm. I just don't want to do that anymore. Like, unless I can start saying people of white, (laughs) it's like, you know, we did this to, like, really speak to the people of white, to women of white, right? Like Lack of color? But (laughs) whiteness only exists because blackness existed, and so I just, like... I just don't want to say it anymore. And most of the time, to TBH, I'm talking about black people. Mm-hmm. People of color also, to me, gives a very false narrative that we are yeah. in the same boat. Yes. When we are not. Yeah. Being Asian in America is very different from being Very black different. In and even being brown in America, where while like y'all have your shit for sure, I'm not taking away from that. There's a just a being black. In general, not even just in America, being black is such a different experience than being Hispanic, Latinx, right? Like, all of those are different from each other. And, like, while I understand the intended inclusion of people of color, Mm -hmm. I don't like the reason that we needed it. And I don't like what feels like the whitewashing of the reality of what we're saying. And so it's like, I think we can take the time to say... Black people, Hispanic, Latinx, Asian, whatever we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so I'm canceling it. I don't want to use it anymore. Okay. I'm done with it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm done with you doing it. Yeah. I don't know if I would do it. Um, but it does give me a lot to think about. I do agree that it creates a false, um, a false sense of uh, a parallel between minorities. Yes, and then my love is, have you seen the video of Lizzo and Megan The Stallion? Of course I've oh, seen it. I've watched it several times. Listen, <laughs> like I, number one, I'm going to see Lizzo next month and I'm so excited. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. I, I bought the tickets forever uh-huh. ago. Um, my friend Mimi and Helen from work. And no, she'll never invite me. I just, see, I just put her in my top three and she'll never invite me nowhere. What? This we bought these tickets so long ago, and they were also very expensive. So like I, I don't. I'm glad we bought them because I don't know if now I would. Mm. But um, this video we'll put a link. It's just like when black women link up, the world <laughs> smiles. So it's Lizzo on the front steps of her Malibu mansion that she rented for the month mm-hmm. with Megan the Stallion twerking. A couple steps below, Lizzo, i.e. Sasha, is on the flute playing Shake That Monkey. Which is a classic. And then also, like, screaming the lyrics uh-huh. as Megan twerks. I love she was like, do, 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 do. hey, do, 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 do. Uh, I, it just filled my heart with such joy. Yeah. And, like, it's funny because this is connected to my people of color thing because... Somebody, like, wrote in the comments, like, man, women of color are, like, untouchable. And it's, like, black women. I saw that. Black women. (laughs) Black women. Black women. Y'all don't get a part of all of it. These are black. These are two black women. (laughs) Cut it out. 
And that's the thing. I feel like black makes people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because even when we're talking about black women, we say people of color because I Mm -hmm. think that we feel like it's a little more include. I don't want to be inclusive with Mm -hmm. blackness. We're black. I'm proud of these two black women just out here having a hot girl summer. What did you love or cancel? So I guess I'll start with my loved. And um, now this isn't super recent, maybe a couple of days um, old. It will be a few more days old by the time this podcast comes out. But Eddie Glaude, who is a um, an African-American history scholar, um, came out. Um, so he was on... He was on MSNBC, and it was um, they were asking him about um, the shooting in El Paso, and about just some of the the history of racism in America, and how you know it's easy to blame it on Trump, uh, what's happened. But he you know talked about how a lot of the things that we're being confronted with today is because um, white people refuse to give up the notion of being white. Um, and to leave behind and, and, and white in the sense of like whiteness as in better than every other race. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, because as you say, there has to be a nigga. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, I did love this video. (laughs) Um, and so it's about three minutes long. It was just super powerful and something that you just don't see on network, um, um, on mainstream on cable news anymore because you know it was just so like let's get to the let's get to the good stuff let's get to the to the quips and the and the digs and the whatever but they just let him talk for like three minutes straight mm-hmm. i won't like play the whole thing but i do want to play just a bit of it what we know is that the country has been playing politics for a long time on this hatred we know this so it's easy for us to place it all on Donald Trump's shoulders. It's easy for us to place Pittsburgh on his shoulders. It's easy for me to place Charlottesville on his shoulders. It's easy for us to place El Paso on his shoulders. This is us. And if we're going to get past this, we can't blame it on him. He's a manifestation of the ugliness that's in us. I've had the privilege of growing up in a tradition that didn't believe in the myths and the legends because we had to bear the brunt of them. Either we're going to change, Nicole, or we're going to do this again and again, and babies are going to have to grow up without mothers and fathers, uncles and aunts, friends, while we're trying to convince white folk to finally leave behind a history that will maybe, maybe, or embrace a history that might set them free from being white. Finally. Yeah, so that that just like stopped me in my tracks <laughs> when I first watched it. Um, and I just, I don't think you can like sum up like race relations in America today in a more succinct way. Yeah. Like, can you imagine a world where like white people give up like this fight to be white? No. <laughs> But for for me, my only like worry, because and I I'm glad you played that part of the clip because I could hear the selective white hearing, only hearing we can't blame Trump, mm. right? Like there was like I feel like sometimes when I allow my mind to think like I think their minds think, I pull out how they come up with their truths, mm. and 
I was like, see, it's okay. It's right. Not it's not, yeah. and it's not Trump. And he's saying it's the hate that's in us. And they already think that all of the problems are the others and not them. Right. And here's a black man saying Same. us. Yeah. Right. And so I just was like, Lord, like, while it's awesome, <laughs> right, right. you know my my superpower. <laughs> yeah. I also saw how it could just be turned. But yeah. at the end of the day, like. Yeah. I'm, that's why I was glad when he came back and called it a manifest, him a manifestation of Trump as mm-hmm. a manifestation of what's. Right. Of to still country. connect yeah. him to what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, so, that was um, good. So yeah, that was one of my favorite things this week. Um, and then just a quick cancel. I'm tired of remakes, right? I, I am cats. I am so, <laughs> cats, cats. But you know, we we they, personally know people that are gonna watch. They it. They look a mess. They do. That we were we had we were in a remake of a movie. <laughs> Watching and saw the a remake preview trailer. of a remake. Yeah, we went to see Lion King, which yes. again was okay yeah it was good but yeah. i could have done with timon and pumba stole the damn show right but was it necessary would you call it necessary the remake yes no okay so because that- it was also if it was actually live action like and i know you weren't going to get all these like lions out here but it was just like another animation it was yeah. just like more computer animation yeah. i'm like but we Which already had an animated it, it one. was also like not as powerful because because they're trying to be like realistic lions, mm-hmm. they don't move their faces. So there's like really right. like it, like really grave things happening right. at the moment, and their faces are just like still, still like animals, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, in that remake of a remake, right. like we saw um, a preview for Charlie's Angels, which is a remake of a remake. You know, it's like there was the one with Farrah Fawcett, and then there was the one uh, with Lucy Liu and them. Oh, right. With independent women. And Cameron Diaz. Yeah. And then there's a new Is one coming Cameron? out. Is there Cameron? No. Cameron Diaz. <laughs> I can't Speaking of Cameron. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait. So, the, so, just list a couple others. Child's Play. Why do we like need... Like Chucky? Yes. But is it the doll still? Or yes. like, oh... Why do we need that? Why don't we ever go from live action to cartoon? Home Alone? Let's do a Child's Play anime. Home Alone. I mean, there's already a lot of those. Yeah. I mean... Did that... they get Macaulay back? No. Is he the dad? No, but he did. <laughs> but he did post a, um, a, a picture on Twitter of, like, what Home Alone would really be like if it was, like, real time. It was just, like, him with his belly out. Like, I think I saw that. He's such a weirdo. <laughs> he is weird. Um, um, so, yeah. yeah. And... Just... and Coming to America, I guess, isn't it's a, a sequel. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a sequel to. Um, Are you to fine with those? Uh, yes. Oh. Like build on build See, on. See, I the think that's thing. unnecessary. I don't. I think some sequels are much better than the first. Like what? Except for Sister Act Two. <laughs> that's a lot. You Sister can't say, Act Two. You can't say like what and then say except what. But yeah. that's it. <laughs> and maybe Toy Story Three was very good. Uh huh. Well, most of mine will probably probably be comic book related which i know you're gonna roll your oh yeah on, so. no i don't know anything x-men 2 was better than was X-Men. better than x-men 1 avengers endgame well avengers infinity war like was a sequel on upon sequel upon sequel meanwhile according to yahoo <laughs> disney has set the record for the highest grossing year for which is why they keep doing it thanks to aladdin lion king avengers um so yeah, we know why we keep why they keep exactly. doing it. Exactly, I just think and we keep watching them. We keep watching them, but in the closing note, I also think that by creating like new properties, you also like allow for more of the inclusion that people are like clamoring for. You know, yeah. like maybe if you 
created more new projects, people would not be would have not to say that they should be upset about Halle being Ariel, but they wouldn't have the comparison. It would just be yeah. It would just be oh, a black girl. May start yeah. as Halle, right? You know? Yeah. So give us the next one, and don't make her Princess Tiana and spend half the movie as a fraud. Okay. Yeah, no, we don't need that one back. All righty. <laughs> we did it. How do you feel about the episode? Good. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to get guests back in. Um, don't forget about our Patreon. I did want to say we have patrons who, like, even though we took a break from the summer, they didn't, like, take a break from oh, donating. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So I just, like, love... The little family that we're creating. Appreciate that. Appreciate you guys. Um, so that's in the show notes. Yes, we'll do. We'll put everything in the show notes again. And then also, like this season, we want to hear from you more about what you want to hear and like the kind of guests you want on. Like we're pushing a lot for more women this season mm-hmm. and more like creatives and kind of like alternative professions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, look out for that. We're excited. We have like you know some good shit planned. <laughs> That was a hard team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got to come back for that shit. For that shit. <laughs> do, do, do. Wait, wait, I want. Do shake that monkey. Hey. Bye. <laughs> Bye. As things change, other things stay the same. Like Ohio Lottery scratch-offs, from small tickets to big tickets, from bright colors to flashy themes. There's something for everyone. Big wins make big stories. But it's the millions of small wins every day that make life-changing memories. And your biggest win will come by following the state-recommended safety protocols during this special holiday season. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. Two kinds of bacon and all kinds of delicious. Say hello to Donato's new Bacon Duo pizzas. Two pizzas, each with two kinds of bacon. Try the new Pepperoni Bacon Duo with pepperoni, Canadian bacon, and hardwood smoked bacon. And the Chipotle Bacon Duo with Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Now get $2 off a large Bacon Duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. 